about to be a completely unreliable asshole. Tim, 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 Tim. Ryan. Ryan, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Here's to Satan. Good morning. <laughs> to draw the connection for our listeners, <laughs> thinking that may have been a beer can opening. It was a rock star. <laughs> people listening, people listening, people listening. Mama needs her juice. Yeah, I mean, I had coffee this morning, which I don't too often. So we're ready to talk about possession. Oh my God. Hello, everyone listening out there. Welcome to episode 41. Hey, now. Of episode of the show, Dismembering Horror, the podcast show, where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and myself, Tim Aslan, we talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything interesting or noteworthy about a horror film that we have seen on our quest to see horror films that we have not seen (laughs) in the quest to see things that make us go, ooh, or, or, God. Or, <laughs> yeah, um, and I think we've had pretty good string of them <laughs> yeah. in the last two. I don't know about actually inside, inside. the Satan Slaves and Wrong Turn. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. No, these We're coming last... out of a, a dip, right? But the but these, I think we've had an uptick with these last two. Personally. Definitely. Um, anything else about this show? What we do here? Oh, it's for you, right. the listener. It's all for you. We're here for you. Yeah, so let us just know. Just in case. I said, you know, uh, how we watch our films or whatever I just said about how we watch our films. So really, we want to be watching and talking about films that you want us to talk about. So let us know. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah, we're your friends. Yeah. Be our friends. <laughs> Come play with us. Right. Um, man. Possession, <laughs> Tim. <laughs> That's exactly the response that you should have. I gotta say, I mean, you know, we want people to listen to this. And actually, we're, the spirit of this, too, is that you've watched the film, hopefully, or you've seen it before. So it's sort of like this is the fun of sitting down with your friends you may not have with you just to kind of like digest and deconstruct a film you saw, which is kind of especially done to do to fun to do with horror films in a way. But I gotta say with this one, Tim, if you haven't seen it, like, I don't want to... I, I, you should... Yeah, it's yeah. like you should... Pause this. <laughs> Go see it. Watch it. Go find it. It's it's not, a little hard to find, yeah, but you can get it. Yeah. It's, it's at, you know, if there's a good video store in your town or whatever, they, they'll have it. Because it's a uh, horror classic, I think. Yeah. But Certainly just, considered cult, you know, following sort of classic. Yeah, but it's kind of strangely not available for streaming um, conveniently. I think it was. I feel like I saw it recently. Maybe I mean, in the last year or so. It's just an in-between in rights yeah. thing right yeah. now. I, I mean, that I'm But there was but like a, a Blu-ray it. limited edition to 2000 released that's, um, <sighs> that's um, available on like the official website for $70 Whoa! out of print, but on Amazon it's for 40 so. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Pretty cool. But it looks really neat. Yeah, the box set. Um, God. So yeah, we should summarize it. No, we should watch the trailer. Yeah, you know we haven't seen the trailer. Let's watch the trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah All right, yeah, yeah. from oh, nineteen. No, I can only imagine. Nineteen eighty-one with everyone's boy Sam Neill. Mm-hmm. Here's a trailer for Possession. At least some of it. The partial trailer for you guys. Beyond the realm of human desire, there is a darkness. Well, that's why I'm with you. 
Because you say I for me. Love opens to absolutely unknown horizons. Isabella Johnny, the internationally acclaimed actress in her most explosive, controversial role. was certainly the movie dude i think this is the grayest film i have ever seen in every sense of the word oh yeah i get that it's on mm. stark in visual and sure and feel <laughs> well just and in sort of like thematic context it's like i spent a lot of the movie going what is going on that but was not in a bad way. Yeah. In a like, I want to like, like my brain was spinning on a bunch of different possibilities. And I was like, is it this or is it this or is it none of these? Is right. it none of the things I'm thinking? Like, what the fuck's going on? And you really were, Tim. That wasn't a thing of note was that I thought how you, I wanted to mention how you like within the first couple minutes were like, what is going you well you said what the fuck is going on and then like half an hour later said it with the exact same tone and intonation you know <laughs> like yep. throughout um but yeah in a way where it was just like well that's seems to be uh exactly how you're supposed to be feeling yeah yeah dude so can, can we summarize this film as if we hadn't read the Wikipedia summaries? Because that's kind of the fun of the summaries. Um, yes. Is, and yeah, so our first section, we said we do what works, what didn't work, things of note. But we also yeah, cause do... Yeah, because there's definitely some shit in the Wikipedia that's like... Really? Right. But okay. we um, also do a summary to... Not again. We hope you've seen it. Watch it. Watch this one before we spoil it all. But with the summary, we kind of hope it functions as kind of like, okay, let's just get on the same page. You're plugging into how we sort of <laughs> picked apart the uh, f the events that were important for this. Yeah. I'm trying... How, would, how the fuck do I do this? <laughs> I uh, Okay. If uh, just on the surface, ready? Here we go. Yeah. There, a guy comes home to his wife. He's been gone for some wife and reason. kid. Wife and kid, and obviously he's been gone a while. And there's some shit that she's not chill with. Like they're they're at each other right away. Kind of like, uh, you know, a lot of marriages. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tim. I wouldn't know, but I mean, I know people who are married. Um, so they are just at each other. And very quickly, it sort of comes out that she's been seeing somebody else and he flips. And so you spend a bunch of time with him being, quote unquote, possessive of her. And it's just total fucking in your face chaos but ultimately it's sort of like what are we gonna do now mm -hmm. and then 
shit. Amongst I mean, all the yelling at each other. Yeah. They they kind of come to terms in a way where it's like Sam Neill's going to effectively take custody of the kid and the apartment. And she's going to kind of just go off on her own and show up on weekends. And we have Sam Neill as Mark. And then Isabella Johnny. Yeah. Isabella is Anna. Right. Anna. Anna. Yeah, so Mark and Anna, and I mean, so they can't be in the same room together. It's chaos. It basically gets into, okay, she's left, she's living somewhere else, and then he sort of follows the trail of, okay, well, it's not with her other boyfriend lover. It's not with this, you know, her close friend. Where's she at? What's yeah. going on with her? She kind of pops up from time to time. He's trying to do his best to take care of their son in the meantime, and he just gets... um more and more just sort of insight and clues as to kind of uh, something that even with insight and clues just becomes more inexplicable and mysterious. Well, yeah. And I think a big part of the context of what's going on is sort of his obsession with wanting to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of his actions are sort of based on that. He hires a P.I., to follow her around, right? He like goes to her supposed boyfriend's place and she's not around. So like it's a it's it's a little bit of a mystery of like where is she and who's she with? Yeah, exactly. What's going on with her when she's not here? Yeah. And then when she is there, she's so like flipped out that it just adds more to the like what like, why is she like that? What's driving they, they this? They both seem kind of like they're shells of a person. Oh, yeah. Which then gets into, again, this is the, the summary. There is a doppelganger element, too. Right. But um, so they're but there's such shells of people, not only because maybe that feeds into the doppelganger thing, but it was interesting in such a way where we're at least with him. He's actively taking care of the son in such a way where it gives you just enough to kind of hold on to as that maybe there's some sort of sense of hope yeah. at the end of this. I mean, not actually like, because he's it's such so bleak. A dick. Because he's so horrible. I like, but they're they're both. E I guess what I'm trying to say is they're both equally far gone. But with her, and from since we're kind of with his perspective, with her, there's kind of a mystery element, mm -hmm. and with him, it's kind of like a we're rooting for him maybe more because he's the one who's immediately, uh, or who's taking care of the kid. I mean, you may have felt that way. <laughs> I did not root for him at all. <laughs> Sorry. I, I'm saying maybe root, I get, I'm rooting of, for the kid who, yeah, who yeah, based on the that. ending is kind of like mm, our yeah. one, our one what am I trying to say? The kid is basically our one kind of like, one? yeah, semblance of hope yeah. in this at all. He doesn't even shine a light amongst all the gray. That's all this, but it is sort of like, that was sort of almost the hang your hat through line on it for me mm -hmm. is what can, <laughs> what can save this poor kid? <laughs> What's going to yeah. happen to him? Yeah. So well, it's almost too like the kid is kind of live. He's the only one who's living in an actual reality and everybody else is just off. That's what it in, is in their own yeah. psychosis, so to speak. Exactly. That's or what whatever it is. you want to call it. And there's, and the, yeah, there's, and there's definitely that element going on of like when you're, 
I mean, this is getting past a summary here, but you know, when, <laughs> when you're a kid and like your parents are just sort of leaving, maybe, you know, I can relate to the, yeah. the divorce aspect, just saying, oh, your mom's just here. Oh, just this is going on now. And you're aware oh, here's this, the babysitter, right? There's a whole other layer of stuff going on that you're aware of, but not being told about. Yeah. And how, I don't know, that was just a lot of kind of what is going on in this movie for me was just, again, from the kid's perspective. Yeah. Um, But in the end, sort of the wraparound of the summary is like all of this craziness leads to kind of a complete like dissolving of of like the lines of reality. Yeah. Like there's a spy element. It gets There's into just chaos, heavy, heavy, um, uh, almost like Lovecraftian yeah. uh, metaphor. Yes, for definitely, you could say divorce or sure or um, uh, inverted love. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah, the whole doppelganger thing I think is really interesting because I think yeah. you could take it a bunch of different ways. Yeah, I mean a lot of this you could take. A lot of different ways, which, is which I like. So good. Yeah, I like that because it's almost like it's like I remember in in acting class back in the day, there were certain actors and actresses um, that you couldn't really pinpoint why they were so compelling. And then a acting teacher of mine once said, like a lot of the time, for she said this about this one actress, she was like. She's such a blank slate that we are filling in all of the gaps of like what's going on with her. Mm -hmm. And we're just projecting our own state, given the context of the scene or whatever, into her. And she's so open and like neutral that we will put anything into her. Mm -hmm. And it makes her seemingly like this brilliant actress because we're like fuck look at all those things she's doing and she's really kind of just existing and you're like holy shit and in a weird way this movie is i mean not neutral but like kind of it's like you said it's so gray Mm -hmm. that we're just up we're like trying to put in meaning Mm -hmm. all over the place and it all kind of works in my mind like it's because, I mean, there's enough, it's an, it's a big enough situation going on. That... It's like the suggestibility aspect of life. Yeah. Like you're going to apply what you know to a vague context because you're so suggestible to your life experience. Right. And so it's like, if you come from, I don't know, if you came from a religious background, I bet people who come from that would watch this movie and be like, holy fuck, it's Satan. Right. And if you're like me and you didn't, I'm like, it's a fucking metaphor for possession and obsession and yeah. like heartbreak, you know, and like re- what how you replace that in or want to replace it right. when your heart is broken. And so now to like, as you said, finish up our wraparound summary here uh, when we we're saying metaphor, Lovecraftian, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Well, it gets to that she is housing. Not only is she murdering people, the, the men in her life. She's housing and uh, maybe helping to not birth, but uh, herald in and raise these um, meat creatures. <laughs> well, these like, I mean, I think it's all one creature in various 
phases Stages. of yeah, development. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, because first, okay, yeah, we the sort of evolution is at first we just sort of get a sort of can barely see it black monstrosity mm-hmm. gooey thing in the back of the bathroom it's almost fetalish it's yeah. sort of covered in tar and blood and-, and then we get something with like uh that that's more just a stump with eyes <laughs> yeah. and then we get something with some tentacle limbs yeah. and then we get something that's like a torso but where the bottom half is just a phallus yeah oh boy and then it turns into pretty sam neil <laughs> Like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't what, open it! Don't open what it! What every mother dreams of her <laughs> child becoming a pretty Sam Neil. Yep, and then ends with the child going. Uh, the one of the one of them dies. The original Sam Neil we're with dies, and uh, the original woman dies too. Right? She kills herself mm-hmm. shooting through him, and then the 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 oppelganger woman is there, taking care of the kid. The other Sam Neill doppelganger arrives. The kid's going, as I just said, don't open it, don't open it. Hides in the mm-hmm. original fluid womb of the bathtub. Yep, there you just go. Just goes in there. And uh, she goes up to the door and she doesn't open it, but probably does. <laughs> yeah, the world just explodes. <laughs> yeah. As far as we know. <laughs> oh, man. So how would we rate this fine film? Well, I think that I would buy this. Because I think there's enough. I mean, it is fucking crazy. Yeah, I kind of feel similarly to like Requiem of a Dream. For a Dream. For a Dream. Requiem for a Dream. Is that right? Whatever. In how I don't think I could take watching this again soon, but I want to watch it again. You know what I mean? Like I need a break from this movie because it's so fucking in your face and intense. But it's got so much fucking awesome craziness. And even just f- from a film perspective, like the the camera work and blah, 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 is so good that I think it's it's very valuable to study. Yeah. And so I would want it on my shelf for sure. I mean, Tim, ditto. Buy it for every reason you just said. And I'm I not just... spending $70 on it. But I, if I had much. it, I would spend forty dollars for that. Limited to two thousand, Tim. Only two thousand made. It's pretty pretty. This Blu-ray set. Okay, I don't really care. So do about we have that, to have a, yeah. a subset of our buy it? Okay, but how much would I spend? <laughs> <laughs> no, but everything you just said, as far as yeah, yeah you're why right. You get forty. It. If it were thirty-nine ninety-nine, yeah, I would look. I would see that sticker and go, "Oh, that's a lot, but it's worth it." Only two thousand made. Yeah. Okay. And it's the. Uh, <laughs> The one that we rented, it was really pretty, so... Yeah, it looked great. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I wanted to say what you... I, and I agree with you with the reasons you said, but I just had to specify, too, like, how effective it was. Yeah. Like, that's what sort of um, puts it into buy it for me. Like, yeah, when we were watching it, I was feeling the same thing of, like, I don't really want... But this is so, as I said, gray and just saddening that, mm-hmm. like, I don't really feel like i want to see a lot but then where i came around in the end i'm like well this was right up there for me with the greats like shining exorcist as far as just where it feels like every aspect of the film is just steeped in a kind of evil you aren't supposed to be there sadness Mm. like the kind of things when people say like why would you even like horror movies it's like as far as just why do you even want to go to that place 
but this is one of those that is just so successful in going to that place. Um, and that is honestly kind of like what I think I'm looking for when we say this podcast is about searching for films like that, is that that rare thing of Dude. a film that is so just ugh, comes from the deepest, murkiest depths of consciousness and the ether <laughs> and all that is wrong in the world. Well, you know, it's interesting, although all that is unholy. Um. If we look just real, like as a reminder, just real quickly of of other movies that we've said bye to. Mm hmm. Um, what? We've got the uh, the cured. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we've got Mandy, which I think has you. You know, I think this as movie and putting Mandy, you into a world. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. some. There's some. That's why I gave it a bye in the end. Yeah, not in context, but like feel. Um, or what we what you walk away with? Um, I said bye to opera. Same thing. I think there's some there's some commonalities. Totally. Um, do 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 do. Cat people. I think no us. Sorry, cat people. <laughs> I like cat people. Um, I said bye for us. Yep. I um, said bye to Calvair. You said bye to Calvair. Yeah. So. And then I said bye to Quiet On, and that's it. Yeah. I mean that, dude. I would be so thrilled to have like on my shelf Jaws, Alien, The Shining, Poltergeist, this, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, opera, fucking <laughs> Mandy. Like that would be really pleasing just to have those all. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And okay. to just be like, if I sit down, if I'm feeling like I need to watch something amazing. Yeah. And look at that shelf i'd be fucking like well okay we got to start like... getting more specific let's <laughs> okay. get into what worked all right cool it worked like a charm smith <laughs> yeah because how often does it happen where you're truly like the moments where we first see and get glimpses of the creatures, if we want to call it that, the doppelganger in its early form. Like, Holy that's just fuck. what it's all about for me, Tim. Is the, that, and when I say Lovecraftian, just yes. kind of your brain going, uh, nope. No. There is such a beautiful, to me, it is like this really nice. Uh, what do you call the thing when two things come together? Coalesce? Like, yeah. Is that can you use that at coalition? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, of Lovecraft and Cronenberg mm -hmm. to me, in and oh, and I mean, honestly, Lovecraft, Cronenberg, and uh, Kubrick mm -hmm. are sort of that. I feel like this is this something about those wide angle lenses and the sort of um, frenetic camera work, just like and like the downfall of a marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like we're peering into. Kubrick, yeah this very very untalked about real feeling that we all have or have experienced yeah. in some way I, whether it be that we're on the outside looking in on that which is like, or we've experienced it ourselves well as far as outside looking in i think this film kind of like what i liked about quite on but was is very kubrickian what i love about him is the um 
like what I said about Quaidon, that outside looking in, it's an observational yeah. perspective we have on this story. And in, in this, the way it's shot is effectively that we are in between the argument and having to get out of the way. Oh, you're right. The whole time. Because it's like, which is yeah. such a fucking unpleasant place to be in real life. Like yeah. when you're in between the fight and you're theoretically you're sort of a third party you're you're a neutral third party but you're still there you're involved in it yeah so how it but you can't really do anything so, about so it so to break oh. it down how it did that filmically it was like we first had we had the wide angle lenses that would be used to sort of put us in these depressing spaces mm -hmm. that made us feel trapped there and so, most of those spaces not all but most are very small rooms yeah so the um, walls are on you so yeah it's like so we have that sort of feeling of like we are trapped in this existence like kind of where you'd be in if you're one of these people feeling trapped in life and then like what you said sort of we are getting in the way in this middle of these arguments and want to get out then we sort of jumping closer and closer to the point where they are looking almost right through us or mm -hmm. at us oh, as fuck. they're in close-up as they're arguing back and forth. I mean, there are a bunch of close-ups where it is just dead into the camera. Yeah. And that is so unnerving. Yeah. Especially when you've ramped up to that point, you know, because they do a very kind of standard progression mm -hmm. where a lot of the time the the scene starts in a wide that is is a sort of a full wide whatever you know everybody's away from you and you're getting context of where we are but as the scene progresses everybody the either the camera or i think a lot of the time both the camera and the subject are moving at each other mm -hmm. and then they're doing what's called a dosi do so you're dosy doing uh, in traditional. So if, if you were to do this in a soap opera, the dosy do is the moment when somebody they're having an argument and it's just over the shoulders, and then one person walks through the over the shoulder, the other person grabs them and turns them around, so they've now switched yeah, yeah. places. That's a dosy do. They do that, except they use the camera as well as a moving object. That's why I say we're in the middle of this fight. So, like, they're do -si doing but the camera is swinging around as well, opposed yeah, to Because what works cutting. for me is it has that energy and freneticism of their fights where it's like they're always like bleeding or slapping each other or cutting <laughs> yeah, themselves or whatever sure. where and they're just like running around the room like you know rats in a maze or yeah. something yeah so it never has that sort of um it never settles into that sort of almost familiarity of the shot reverse shot in the classic sense of like right okay the blocking can you stand here by the sink it's like no they're just kind of going <laughs> yeah and and because For a lot of it they're also the yeah. steady moments too which are totally really used well to build tension but as you use that to it's already frenetic and it's so unrelenting but to almost feel like you the camera are in the middle of it and also being grabbed and spun around mm -hmm. <laughs> by their actions like they're almost <laughs> it almost feels like if it were a documentary that somebody's like that sam neill is physically being like no get over here and look yeah. at this what we're talking about like don't don't run away from this like come here it's like you're trapped in it and at any given time the what the camera's doing, what the filmmaking's doing is an extension of where they're at, the yeah. fight they're having. If they sort of have calmed down and it's the calm before the storm, we're a little bit more there and the yeah. tension's built. 
Um, and then uh, obviously yeah. directorially, they, they he's made a choice to tell the actors to to physically move in a unnaturally over the top way. In a in a I would call this almost um uh what's the term? It's the oh shit! It's like eighteen hundreds theater style where it's like every move has a very specific like I'm I'm doing the dramatic like you put your hand up to your your forehead when mm-hmm. that signifies you know I'm forlorn or oh so I right? got to yeah but they're taking that yeah. kind of idea and being like do that over the top kind of movement style so like you know if Sam Neill is upset he like he like whip his head over he does this a ton where he's like i'm upset and he's just like flipping his head over and then he's coming right. back and it's like it's so intensely over the top and initially i was like this was like mm, not my style of acting and very quickly you go oh no this is the movie well no i i gotta tie this into how you're saying in a different sense there's a progression mm-hmm. and what i think this is important to mention why this movie is working like you say it's over the top, but that's because the movie starts at the top. Yes. Yes, you're and right. <laughs> that's like what I love and I think is so, you know, works about The Shining is like sometimes people complain about that, that there isn't the progression of the de-evolution de- de- of the marriage or whatever, like mm. from the get-go. It's it's depressing, but I think what that allows <laughs> yeah. you to do is if that's your starting point, then it allows for this huge sort of scenario what if of remember what we were saying was what was lacking in inside for us was like, we start with this sort of like depressing of depressing starkest of stark mm-hmm. situation in, you know, and that can be used really well as a jumping off place for just, okay, then what's the, what if, if that's your starting point, how mm-hmm. do you, if you start at the gates of hell, then this is about going in just a nice little, you know, bicycle ride through hell here. <laughs> um, so that's what this movie was. It's like, they are already reaching the levels of being insane, you know, from the beginning, yeah. like when he finds out about her seeing someone else, when he gets back, it's just by, yeah, you see what I'm saying? By allowing it to be there from the beginning, you start off just emotionally already at that place, but then it just becomes this sort of like, yeah, we're here the whole time. Well, and it also, yeah, I think because of that, it allows that when crazier quote mm-hmm. unquote shit happens, that's where we're hope. That's where it allows us to go because yeah, we've you, already started. At yeah, that place. you're like, well, yeah. Where else am I going to go? Of course, <laughs> there's going to be a doppelganger growing out of the the ooze, <laughs> right? Because the because whole time that is where we started. We right. started with holy fucking shit, right? You know, so it's almost like a weird trick to allow the willing suspension of disbelief to be really open. Yeah. Well, from the get-go, because it's like another element that put me there, kind of like I mentioned in the summary, that we're just already so far gone from the beginning, is like, I was already thinking, oh God, this is one of the most you know depressing just kind of places I've been, even before the fact that they had a kid was introduced. <laughs> it's like, you're so just feeling for like these people just feeling so crappy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, oh, Bob, <laughs> they have like, her kid. Yeah. It's a little like weird, creepy, but cute little boy. It's just like, and man, those cutaways, there's a few, I don't know, maybe five times where suddenly we're just cut away to like dropping Bob off at school. Yeah. Or picking him up from and school. That, that, con- that juxtaposition <laughs> of like Sam Neill 
just going crazy, bleeding, blah, blah, blah. And then he has his polo shirt tucked in and yeah. is showing up at the schoolyard. Dude. <laughs> that, so if, if Remember there's one a, of those, he had a spot of blood <laughs> yeah. and he's like with the kids playing. If there's a takeaway to me of this movie is sort of like a, you know, the, the like, what is it about kind of thing or like what it depicts. It's like such a beautiful depiction of what you feel inside when you when your world is falling apart Mm -hmm. and having these cutaways to the practical matters of life you know taking your kid to school the extra element of keeping up the joneses for the kid right is so important to kind of hammer home how you're feeling in your own personal chaos right it's almost it's just tragic to to get those and then like you know oh how's it going tim oh things are good oh how's it going mark things are good yeah you know, like fuck <laughs> <laughs> but they are no and like i don't know i mean i don't know what the world was i was three when this came out so i don't know what the world felt like then necessarily well i felt like but right now right like in 2019's world, we're so just inundated with it, like every bad thing that's happening in the world. We we are like it's being thrown in well, our this face. This was West Berlin, I think. Like sort You're of right. What so the, there was some what our, shit going on. What our nearly built dude who wants to build the wall in our current world like <laughs> right. represents. Yeah, that like wall that was there then. Oh, like that's a trippy idea. That sort of. I mean. It, at the time, it must have felt like, you know, the, I mean, the, the significance of being it up, the significance of it being taken down speaks to the significance being taken up, which anyone would know who has right. that basic, like, of course, walls are not yeah, a good so, idea oh, thing. Fuck. But that is like, oh, we are, it must have felt like we are in the worst society could get kind of thing. Like, yeah. we've had a Holocaust within a lot of our lifetimes here, right. and we are... Have built We're a wall seg- up, yeah, know. we've segmented a city because we can't fucking figure it out. Concrete on concrete. That's actually so fucking brilliant to set this here. Mm-hmm. In, I mean, to set this movie in that place. That is fucking brilliant. Yeah. Because it in and of itself, the setting is sort of a metaphor for, you know, compartmentalization yeah. of your life. <laughs> you know, or or I mean, you could go. That's I mean, it's. I know because it's so never ending something the, the about way you could p- pick apart this movie each of and, those, in, in its metaphor. Each of those to do, okay, since we're on the topic of spaces, if that's its larger space, but each of the, the locations in this do so much to kind of get at what you're saying there. You think of you to sort of that compartmentalization and mm-hmm. what each space represents of so their shared apartment where they're keeping the kid barren white or blue walls mm-hmm. no no decorating whatsoever yeah unmade beds all this kind of thing and very then, Euro- very european of the 80s and 90s because right. i like i had friends even my friend from england the way his parents in in our town in the u.s they their place had that starkness <laughs> that white sort of um it's almost like pre-ikea mm-hmm you know, and then you had um, the boyfriend's apartment, which when remember when he goes in there and just kind yeah. of like, where is she? I know she's here. And she's seeing and he's seeing mm-hmm. all the little, little, little rooms and everything that totally had that feel of where 
almost felt like it was probably set deck or not, but it felt so real and lived mm-hmm. in that it kind of represented, oh, how people's sort of homes and the specificities to it are sort of yeah. a manifestation of their own unhealthy psyche and you know, also, in yeah, a lot and, of ways. Like this is this weird German dude's kind of- That uh, had a very class, yeah. upper class, lots of books on the shelf, high bookshelves, mm-hmm. ornate sort of old world uh, architecture. Yeah. So it has, it's, it's a very specific thing to speak to who that guy is. Right. The messiness of like the office workout room. Yeah. <laughs> like that. So there's that whole thing. And then sort of we're, we're picturing like he gets to the bedroom and we sort of get a glimpse of the bed and we are just sort of with him going like oh that's where he was fucking her right you know it's kind of hard (laughs) with the note that um and then we have um i mean my favorite as far as just affecting and horror e was we're sort of built this suspense of well where is she going her hideout tim oh my god it's amazing it's like so it's in this ancient kind of a part you know old berlin i guess apartment building but it's like it's got the 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 peeling wallpaper the, the yellow sort of, it's oh. this movie is so the shadows are so deep we have yeah. that just sort of in every corner and it's just sort of conjures this whole like god what is she even doing here this whole time that's the most depressing thing like she's got yeah the only there's thing no she, furniture it's the only thing she's got there is wine bottles in the and kitchen the, and the one mattress with the very strange green sheets on right it. like Which, it's such an, a color that is nowhere else in this movie it, it's like the breeding ground for whatever is it's the perfect breeding ground for whatever she is breeding there the the creature this is an interesting non-story thing, but really smart filmmaking, and I, I assume this is intentional. She spends the entire movie in blue, mm. and everything around her is sort of a version of blue and white and gray. So it's in that color palette, except for this place, the other place, the place she's been hiding out that we don't see for a long time. And everything in that space is all in the yellow palette of like yellows and um, browns Mm -hmm. and really saturated. I wonder if that ties into we have the doppelganger with the green eyes. Right. Well, probably because what I'm getting at is her blueness. I mean, they've chosen this art has said these are the palettes she's blue the space she ends up in that she's sort of i don't know if you want to call possessed by but mm-hmm. let's call it that since the movie's called possession that space is a yellow and primary color wise the yellow and blues make green so the bed the the mm-hmm. the symbol for where you create life mm-hmm. is is the yellow and blue make green mm-hmm. um primary color thing uh, which I think is just a fucking cool. It's just it. It goes to show you what they thought about when they're like, "We're making decisions on what should be what." But you never know, though, Tim. I always it could got just it, be random. I, got to defend I agree. That's it's. I wouldn't go as far as to say random, but also them just going, "Well, what feels right?" Sure. You know. Well, and you could take it a different way, where it's like if you, you know, growth right. is earth. Earth is green. But sure. I gotta but, say, just like her being in that that apartment and the thought of her being that is just up there in the most like terrifying aspects of any horror movie i've seen just like i don't know man something about it high ceilings are scary (laughs) well well, not for some reason i mean yeah how it looks but no just the (laughs) idea of her being there that she's there when we aren't Mm -hmm. seeing her what's going on here just sort of conjuring feelings of what people's spaces are like 
you know, um, also that she's like cleaning that space. <laughs> There's this that, weird said, sort what, of almost what? Cinderella-y feel to it. Well, she's maintaining it for her baby or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. And like, man, there's but, a and lot. I said, you know, what other people's spaces are. What I meant is not knowing what other people's spaces mm-hmm. are when you just see them on the street. It somehow plays into that. Well, and I think that idea is one of the big, big strengths of the movie mm-hmm. in that. In a weird way, I almost feel like this movie could be called obsession as well. Mm hmm. We, I, my takeaway partially and why, and I think to its strength, the, the movie has given me the, the, uh, it's, it's evoking a feeling that I've had in my life that is a really slippery slope of the place you're at when, when you, when you are insecure or concerned about the state of a relationship and you start imagining possible scenarios and that's a really dangerous place to be if you let your brain go there because you'll live out an entire life of bad what ifs um i guess a good example could be it's like if you've called your significant other and they and you know that they're driving home and they don't respond you can very easily go down the pathway of oh shit what if something happened what if they got a flat tire and or what if they crashed or what if somebody they got pulled over and it was you know not actually a cop it was a a stalker and that stalker then kidnapped them and what if now they're you know, in trouble and, or now they're being raped or now they're being killed. And you just go, you start to snowball down this path of, of horrible what ifs in a way, this whole movie could just be looked at from the opening scene when he has the interaction where it's like, shit, you know, trouble in paradise. And the rest of the movie is inside Sam Neill's brain of the what ifs. Yeah. Well, and that to me that like just the, the possibility of or that that that's what is it's evoking is so fucking fun and and awesome to me because it's like yeah we i've been there like we've that's, all been um, there of the like going down that pathway i mean i think that's exactly what the movie is about and how i would describe that is what was that quote at the beginning of the trailer mm. love opens to absolutely unknown horizons totally. and so what that means is like in your scenario there when you're in love with someone else that means as that the the power of that love can you know opens to un, unopened horizons <laughs> unknown absolutely unknown never ending horizons in the positive way that's what we focus on that that yeah but that just means that that inverse is also that's there right. now yeah and when a relationship that, yeah. ends it's hard to accept sometimes right and when you you know it can make you feel like you're going completely fucking right. nutso because that's the inverse of the positive right. side of that love is that. That's what, like he says, that quote, love opens to absolutely unknown horizons yeah. in both directions. So that that's an amazing. That's what it's about to me, which you said I earlier. Agree. You I know. think that is an amazing thematic idea to write about and put on to film. And they've done it to me in one of the greatest ways in film I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, there are other movies about this, but I think a lot of those movies are on the nose. Andrzej Zworski. Just had to say his name because you're talking about who did this and he did it. (laughs) Crushed it. Um, So a lot of what we've just talked about is very sort of broad. But all falls under what worked for us. (laughs) Totally. But let's let's uh, let's hone in on some specifics. How about the I mean, we already kind of mentioned it, but just the two leads themselves and their acting like loved it. It was right up there. She's I mean, she is incredible. The showcase scene for me with her was the miscarriage scene. Yeah, in that. I mean, that's probably it's, the most well-known scene from this it? movie. I mean, there's a meme about it. I didn't it's, know. It's turned into a meme. That's how fucking... But just that utter, utter horror of the situation, then then the visual of that, you have this blood and milk combo coming not only... Out of like all her orifices, Right, they're coming I from guess? her orifices, oh, like around so her face and neck and area. Fucking intense. And just then her performance, but above anything else is her performance, which we just hang on. That's one take. That's a, that's yeah. a continuous shot. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I'd love to see, actually, we should have marked how long that take is mm-hmm. because I don't know if you know, like if the, the, the layman knows how hard it is to, to be in that state without taking a break. Because you're just literally are doing that. It is. You are in that state for that long. Exhausting. It's like the, it's like the hold your breath when someone's under water. You yeah. Know? I mean, it, it, it's a, it's an amazing performance. But it, that's what allows you to go that far. Yes. Yeah. It, you could. Oh man, I was gonna say you could just watch that, but you should watch the whole movie. <laughs> Definitely. That I agree though. That is the the I think the high point yeah. of this movie. That's when you we happy reached. accidents too. Like when she slams, like they did a good job of constructing the bag of groceries she has. So when she does slam it against the wall, it explodes. Oh. But it explodes in such a beautiful way. <laughs> well, like it hits her, it hits the wall. It looks amazing. Yeah, it's, it's the yellows. Like she's blasting the the yellows up against the wall in this very blue slate. So again, or blue um color palette. To I, I just, just wanted to. It's amazing. To wrap up the performances side of thing, just got to mention to each of the side characters, like you had the boyfriend and the best friend, Margie, and then the son, like each of them were just such kind of unique, memorable characters that sort of fleshed out, did something to like flesh out this little world we're in. Hell yeah. Of like, as I sort of already described his son earlier, but the German guy, the boyfriend was just so like shirt all the way unbuttoned rode on his motorcycle <laughs> yeah had all these weird kind of like but very um certain to himself philosophies he'd spout yeah espouse oh god like the first time we meet him he's just touching sam neil yeah he's just <laughs> fucking it's so unsettling they go from that to but fighting like, i fucking know this dude yeah <laughs> like i've met this dude in my life and it's so like you just want to like run away. It's like yeah, and like, then like stop. The best friend Margie, who he goes to, is like, oh, I know she must be with you. Da da da. Where Margie, it's like they have this weird love hate or this like hate attraction yeah. thing going on between Sam Neill and the friend Margie, <laughs> where it's like she's she's just their relationship is to like belittle each other, right? But then they're like coming up on each other kind of weirdly. Remember yeah. That? And even just when he like comes back into her room and sits down on her bed, I don't think it's we don't see where it leads to. But like they just sort of embrace in a like like she puts her head in his lap in this sort of like 
it's are they like, going to do it? <laughs> you know? Yeah, but even it, it to me, it almost felt like, yeah, we we kind of hate each other and and we're at each other, but also sometimes you just need to be held. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they have the mutual person they care about on some level, right? Going through this, yeah. I mean, fuck. and then the casting of the son was just at that right level of where it's like you're almost sympathizing for the parents as far as like he's. A, you know, just brings out how like little kids, little kids, they're like kind of like weird little aliens Mm -hmm. where you're like, I'm just have to take care of this thing. Yeah. He's not old enough to take care of himself. Yeah. And he's not an infant. So he's not completely helpless. He's in that. They picked the right. You can see that he's fully forming opinions and trying to figure out the situation of what his parents are going through. But just, yeah, in his own kid way, can only boil it down to this feels right or this feels wrong. Well, it feels wrong. I think there are two moments leading up to the final moment where he actually has sort of an actionable voice where he's saying, don't open it. But before that, we see that there's two specific times that you see him and you kind of get where he's at in 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 that same thing of what I said of like he's not quite old enough to take care of himself but he's not so young that he's completely helpless. Mm-hmm. The first one is all right cuz they leave him alone yes. and he he's like got food all over his shirt yeah. and face and he doesn't quite get it. Yeah. He's still talking about the boat to, uh, you know the toy boat sailboat that yeah. he's been given. You know so you're like fuck. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's not He's not. He doesn't have a frame of reference yet. for what's normal or not. Yeah. And the second one is actually just when he gets taken to school, mm-hmm. and you see him in the context of an adult in the real world, where it's like Sam Neill is a is a full grown human standing next to this little kid, and he's very small. He's got little shorts on and little socks <laughs> and boots in his backpack, and you're like, oh shit, yeah, he's little, yeah. Like, he's real little. Like, this is first grade, maybe. Hello, Bob. Right? And they meet the teacher, which is a whole nother well, metaphor th- crazy thing that I she's can, the do- I, another doppelganger. I put that as what worked for me was the level in which the doppelgangers are implemented and explained. I think it's a lightness and darkness thing mm-hmm. in a way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's about what well, I think it's more not light and dark, but a sort of idealized. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not. Yeah, totally. Because we have Sam Neill, like who, you know, he's like, oh, my God, it's impossible. You look just like her. So this woman who looks just like her, but is this pleasant school teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and then but then we sort of get how hyper uh hyper good eyes in a bad way of like, there's something pod person-y about it with mm-hmm. the Sam Neill um, doppelganger at the well, end. Yeah. And I kind of, I guess I just take away an idea of there's a spectrum mm-hmm. and the Sam Neill doppel- doppelganger is on the, the dark end of the spectrum mm-hmm. and the teacher is on the light end of the spectrum that mm-hmm. they're on the same line and that the non doppelgangers, Anna and, and Mark are are in their chaos in smack in the middle of that spectrum. Or I'd say they're actually being pushed to the lowest, lowest end of yeah. the spectrum. And that's almost what that's what causes the the doppelgangers. Yeah, I can see that. I, but yeah. it's, it's just it's how almost that, refl- maybe it's spectrum is the wrong place to put it. No, it's sort right. of reflections. But and... like how, the fact that the school teacher doppelganger is just there mm-hmm. and is, you're like, oh, has she been the school teacher their whole time? Yeah. No one else is questioning it. Well, and that they end up at the last shot is the two of them with a 
frosted glass door between them <laughs> and Bob face down in a bathtub. But I, yeah. And bombs going off outside. Like, I, I just love There's that, something about that that, yeah. it, I don't know. It's just good. Well, that it was so, as <laughs> I said, the, the level of which it was not explained as yeah. far as the sort of rules. Like, we get that the Sam Neill one came from the creature she was harvesting mm-hmm. or whatever. But, um, but yeah, then the, her doppelganger, that's a school teacher and just all that and how, when they're introduced, how they're explained, it's just all at that level where oh, it was just perfect. Well, and the kids saying, don't let her, don't let him in is, I think is, is sort of a brilliant thing of kids. Like dogs. Kids and cats. know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Animals. Right? Yeah. And if you were to take it. Well, fuck. that's what made it a it great literally? horror movie ending for me. It was yeah. just him screaming that and running. And then t- because then you have that idea of like, oh, but because he's just a kid, the sane parent isn't listening. Yeah. If you were to make the leap that that it's a that it's a snake eating its tail kind of thing and forget about the the literalness of things that we've now returned to a point where let's. Forget that the teacher and the doppelganger are not Mark and Anna. Let's just say that they are still Mark and Anna. In this final moment, you have the world kind of blowing up around them and and Bob being like, don't do it, don't do it. And it's like, in a way, we're just starting the movie over, mm-hmm. right? Where Anna can open the door and let Mark back into their lives. And yeah. we can start this chaos all over again. Regardless of the context of what just happened uh, or the context You're that right. they're a doppelganger. Oh, man. It's that, just them. That's a big it's aspect just of... Two, it's just a, a couple who can't stop ending up with each other but in their chaos. Right. So that snake eating its tail effect is just what makes for such an effective horror ending. And to have the kid, the innocent mm-hmm. one, being like, fuck, don't do it again. Like... Let's not go through this over and over. That, I mean, that's why movies like Eternal Sunshine exist, right? Mm-hmm. It's same, it's talking about that same thing. We're going to keep fucking going through the same fights and, and fuck-ups until we learn not to. I think that gets at that horror of, like, the human experience condition of we like to think in things in terms of some sort of uh, finite ending or culmination in aspects of life, but life is always the journey. Yeah. You know, and if we're not careful, we keep repeating shit. <laughs> the, until the bad, it, the bad circle. Yeah. The until bad we figure it out and actually grow. Mm-hmm. Like uh, a, like a <laughs> demon fucking spawn growing out of your, your killing of other people. Yeah. <laughs> um, we had briefly mentioned uh, shots earlier how it was shot just to sort of come back to that i mean mm-hmm. we i mean we already give an idea of the palette and the wide angle lenses but the sort of there are those few choice flowy shots where it just sort of like at the beginning in that meeting room where it just kind of swinging around yeah. them like what you said about during the fights what it was doing and then at the end the um when he's going up the staircase it just kind of <sighs> uses the space in an interesting way to like fly underneath the staircase look up but it was my other favorite non those kinds of shots shots were 
riding on the motorcycle at the end. Mm. Do you remember that? Yeah. When he was like centered and you had him going through these like shadowy arcs. Oh, and he's just tunnels. yelling. Yeah. It was just like, where is he even going? Oh, he's just going to crash. <laughs> like he was just simply going to get away and just driving manically. But just we had the it. both shot and reverse shot wide angle of just him on there driving it felt like something from a much more contemporary movie mm, mm-hmm. but that again was maybe more very very kubrick too that style yeah and sorry shots. to sort of pull back into the sort of the the metaphor of it all it's like that shot of him going through those you know the the light and the darkness and just yelling is in its own way just the perfect fucking depiction of how we feel when we've hit our limit of insanity mm-hmm. like we're like we can't take it anymore ah, i'm just right. i'm just yelling you're just going until you crash faster and faster yeah. that is fuck this director is amazing i need to go watch it like other shit of his um it, it also just demonstrated how it works so well for me like and again, these kinds of observational movies, this happens a lot, the Kubrick, the P.T. Anderson movies, where mm-hmm. it was the details of the actual story amounts. Like, I didn't know he was a spy until I, I read the yeah. Wikipedia. Yeah, I was like, like, what the fuck? I was missing, like, probably more, than, not not more than half the dialogue, but I was missing a good chunk of the dialogue. Agreed. I had from, a hard time just staying with what they were actually saying. Right, but it doesn't matter it at all i agree and it's only just going to be icing on the cake yes. for rewatching it totally like that's actually a big part of why i want to rewatch yeah. it because i know that every time i watch it i'll get more i'll like understand more <laughs> right even just literally the words they're saying but like the whole that whole cutaway monologue thing of her is maybe my favorite part of the movie do you remember what i'm talking what are about you referring to so she there's this whole sequence of her talking about sister faith and sister chance. Um, oh, yeah. And it's it is a little bit of a departure. It almost feels like home, it's more home video, mm-hmm. uh, maybe Super 8 ish feeling of it's a camera in her face and she's just sitting up and she's like she's sort of manically trying. It's almost like we're watching the actress try to get the monologue out. And she's struggling with getting like it It to me, it actually felt like what I've seen in in like an acting class or a rehearsal where you're like you're really being pushed to get to a place where you're on your you're working on the performance and the comprehension of the dialogue. Mm-hmm. And she's in that place and they're even cutting where when she sort of goes up on a line, they're cutting and she's saying the line again um and there's something really pleasing to me about watching that experience in the literal context of it as if we were watching a rehearsal but also in the story context of the movie because it's almost a pause from the this craziness of the movie where we just get her in isolation trying to work out an idea hmm and and the idea I didn't quite get, you know, like she's this sister faith and sister chance thing. I was like, I don't it, really know what we're talking about, sort of, but the idea is yeah. interesting in and of itself. Depending on your your personal views or just how you're reading it, it could either be read as this is just her insanity at play in verbal form, her trap being, you know, shown, explained, or it could also be like, this is actually some kind of semblance of uh, uh, 
of something that's more positive trying to come out. Mm -hmm. Well, and there's something so... Um, human, I guess, about that particular moment. Like, I felt like most of the movie were watching this super heightened version of behavior. And this particular sequence, I felt like I was watching a real, real human having a very real experience mm. and trying to work through it. And I've been in that place in a relationship before where you finally like you've you've been fucking going at each other and it's like chaos and toxic and crazy. And you just get to a point where you have almost you're you're empty and you sit down against a wall and you're just like, I just I wish I could explain to you really simply how I feel. Right. There's just that core difference of not being able to feel what the other one is yeah and you can't quite do it but you're like yearning for that i just want to fucking get this point across and i can't yell anymore we're done with the yelling we're done with all of the fucking chaos right i'm just i wish i could make help you understand where i'm at and that's uh, so fucking like human speaking of fights like that and the worst place they can go, I really appreciated that a moment was made out of him hitting her. Oh, yeah. Like, rather than just it's happening or this has been happening, it's like a conscious, like, we see the hesitation and, like, the sort, yeah. of, the sort of weight that absolutely should be there for him then taking it to that level was there. Yeah. Yeah, it's like in that moment, everybody's acknowledging that this is the fucking worst thing you could do. Yeah. Exactly. And then he keeps doing it and you're like, and she keeps being like, yeah, that's where we're at. Mm -hmm. It's so dark and so sad. <sighs> it got, I think connected to that scene too, just to get into a last little, little detail that I appreciated that I had down. There's probably lots more in the movie, but one that I happened to put down was uh, during one of their more tension-building scenes together. Oh, She's oh, grinding shit. the I'm, meat. It's, I love this scene. <laughs> She's it's like, oh, I'm just here cooking, using this cutting raw meat with the setting up the yeah. electric knife yeah. and then putting it into this, you know, meat grinder, which just the sort of imagery just ties so well to the kind of creatures that end up forming. Totally. But even just from a, from a like, how you are trying to get your audience primed up. Mm -hmm. It is, it's so fucking brilliant. Yeah. Everything about being in this small space with this obviously not safe tool, doing a thing in a frantic way while you're having a fight, like she's kind of chopping up the meat and then shoving it in the grinder. I, that whole setup is just, it's putting you on the edge of, I know something bad right. is going to happen. And what a great uh, juxtaposition I realized to when you have the uh, light, her, her light doppelganger, the school teacher is doing the dishes and trying yeah. to clean the kitchen. Yeah. It's the opposite. And she has physically taken apart the meat grinder and is, and is like cleaning it out. <laughs> yeah. That's gene. That is fucking genius shit. But just like, so it's like, that's all you need to do. Like, uh, okay. Is it just the two of them talking in the kitchen? Well, no. What else can we do that? We're in the kitchen. Yeah. Fuck dude. This movie is, there's a lot. 
Um, I want to just before you, yeah, yeah before we get into things that didn't work, if there are that many, um, the last one just to steer a little bit away from metaphor stuff and go just into stark horror moments. Mm -hmm. The design of the creature every time we see it is amazing. That Tim, when it was in its like eyeball on lump form, that was just everything to me. You know what I mean? I, the moment before we saw it for the first time, I remember saying out loud, fuck yes, here we go. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, something's coming. And then to get what we got, I was like, this is the best thing. I've, right. Like, well, it's and so it was good. set up so well where it's just, we get these sort of shiny glimpses of something in yeah. the bathroom in the darkness. That's <sighs> organic and meaty, yeah. but we don't know what it is. Tentacles. I was like, yeah, I, I'm so fucking into this. Yeah. I don't know what that is, but it is in the inhumanness of it and the metamorphosis sort of thing of it. It's got that, you know, like a, a Kafka, a, a Lovecraft, a, um, a, a Cronenberg. Like it's mm -hmm. th that is some of my most favorite shit in yeah. the world. And so to get those all in this movie built fuck. up so well. Yes. Yes. Um, the kills I really like, like her, um, what's the first one? It's, uh, oh, it's the wine bottle up into the neck of, of the dude, the, of the, uh, oh, PI. Right. Um, cause you know, up until the first kill, the whole time she's so fucking volatile. Mm-hmm. Right. And she's so unpredictable. And like even times when she walked into the apartment and she's just she's so, I mean, possessed of <laughs> this, like her hands are doing this weird thing. And she's just like <laughs> the whole time. And you're like, oh, fuck, dude, like what's going to what's yeah. this going to lead to? And when we get to that moment where the P.I. goes and sees the thing that's been growing and she fucking goes after him with the wine bottle, it's like. It's it's almost cathartic because you're like finally like she's getting some sort of fucking release because she's been but so. At the same time, she doesn't up. seem like she's she. No, I agree. <laughs> she's not she. You're right. There is this sort of disconnect of like fuck. Yeah. Um. But I I like that about her trajectory that there are times where it's like oh it's not even Anna anymore. It's just. She, it's the fucking possessed thing inside of her that's that's acting. Yeah. Um, I love the stab. I mean, when she well, so before the stab, we have the the boyfriend of the P.I. Uh, or the lover, whatever you want to call it, the guy who who owns the the investigator sort of business. When he comes to look for the P.I., who is his lover, he try, tries to shoot her and then she just starts hitting him over the head with like, I guess a can of condensed milk is kind of what it <laughs> right. seemed like to me. I, I don't really know. But just that's a, a great choice because then white shit's flying all over the place while she hits him. It's just like, like what's great is from her. Yeah. Um, that one I, I think is fun. It's cool looking. And then the stabbing of of Heinrich is really in like there's I don't know you remember she's actually flicking pieces of his chest before yeah, she stabs just him just giving little just little nips oh, here and there man, before she actually stabs intense. him it's like enough for him to, to sort of stand his guard like I can take a few little cuts right right yeah I like that um, and the fact that I thought 
oh, he's dead. He's definitely not dead. <laughs> um, and then Sam Neill's killing of actual killing of him is dark as fuck and like crazy premeditated. Like he comes up with this whole way of doing it. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck? Um, we don't see the death of um, Margie, but the whole putting her in the in the what do you call that? The wardrobe bag. Oh, right. And she is throat slit like she clearly has had she's just covered in blood from her neck down um so all of that's really great horror mm-hmm. imagery uh and that's pretty I much mean, it. Killing their, themselves yeah the their death i i i think is cool I, I mean i like how it ended up just kind of a classic location to end up to where it's like at the top of a huge spiral staircase yeah. where it's like we know the police are coming up yeah. and the, the lovers got to, you know, but they, so they have this sort of fixed amount of time yep. of, to sort of finish themselves off and they are trapped. Well, and it, and, and in a lot of, when you have a cr- sort of a off the, the like off the rails style movie, I think a lot of time it's hard to get a, a, a third act that feels satisfying, mm-hmm. but Effectively, they planted some seeds and they just had, let's just have all the worlds collide into the ending. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, they they were able to pull that off in a satisfying right. way. Because if the middle you're showing your hand, how do you sort of top that? And you're right. Yeah. I think that's a good way is it all collides. Yeah. And you don't have to fucking actually really understand it in this particular movie. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't go, wait a minute. I just was like, yeah, I guess the guy with pink socks should show up and fucking be a part of this. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, sure. At this point, shit. Great. <laughs> so shall we? Yeah. All right. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. I only have one thing, Tim. Hmm. Wow. Well, I didn't know if this was like, I just kind of assumed it was going to be, you know, it's called possession. I really didn't know what it was about. I thought maybe it was just a sort of more typical devil possession, yep. you know, exorcist. I thought that's movie. where it was going to go and it um, didn't. But then the only thing that kind of tipped me off at the beginning, the only thing that didn't work for me was they have an opening credit crediting someone to creature effects or uh, something of or creature design, something of the like. Yeah, I didn't and then that, that just sort of, t- well, I didn't know how you missed it. It was right on the screen, yeah, but lucky you. Yeah. <laughs> because that just made me go like, oh, I guess maybe that could be, she's going to transform into like, you know, Reagan style or is mm. there, are there actually creatures in this? Right. But just what was just so beautiful, those moments of like, we just, that's why we're doing this show of when those, the creatures first appear, the surprise of that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Wait, so it, what didn't work about this? It was just it <laughs> that surprise, like as effective as it was and as great as it was, would have been that much better had I not been half ah, expecting it because I of see. this credit at the beginning. Why do you do that? Yeah. Like, come on, man. I think it's just a, a time. It, that's what they did at the time. And fuck it whatever right now we would be like well let's not so put that's that like a backhand you're allowed not to i realize it's a backhanded compliment right. but like god did not worry like that god as i said we've watched this is episode 41 and we get to a moment that's like <laughs> why we you know what we're really hoping for digging for the gold in horror movies we haven't seen yeah. and i'm just such a you know 
such a, a purist in that way. And it's just so special, like uh, when it happens in those ways, just felt like when, you know, six cents, someone spoiled the ending before I saw it mm. as a kid all yeah. over again. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, I get that. I, I can't really think of a thing. I <sighs> Everything that I think on the surface, I initially would say, I'm not sure if this works for me or, or like I had the initial impulse of like, I'm not, I don't like this. It all goes away when you get through the movie. Yeah. So there really isn't anything for me. Great. I mean, and it just see, isn't like, essentially there wasn't for me. Like, like I said, if I, this would be the case for any of the great horror films that are my favorites. I, I don't know what I would say if, that didn't work for me if I was talking about Jaws. Great. So, so things of I note. I just don't have it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Things of note. Things of note! <laughs> this should be interesting. Well, the banning of this is an interesting thing. Yeah, what'd you dig up on that? Not a whole lot. It was just kind of the UK um, had a couple, you know, organizations or whatever. The term video nasties, it made the list. Yeah. Um, so, okay. And I guess they had enough clout to, to get it banned. Mm-hmm. Also, by the way, I spent the whole movie waiting for something so fucking egregious to be like, okay, yeah, I see why it got banned. This is tame as fuck. I didn't think there was anything that was ban worthy in it at all. I don't know, man. I have to say, like, I think there's something more to just when something is so bleak combined with like the sort of the key moment of the the miscarriage stuff going on. Okay. Like But that seems that seems too heady for banning i don't know i just maybe see, the effect the, i see the, the the like uh i think uh, we have that association of like oh it's the cannibal holocaust and whatever that are just the ones getting banned on this list but i really just see this stuffy british person just putting it on and being like this movie shouldn't exist you know from the beginning like yeah <laughs> yeah i like this has I, no value you know yeah i guess i get that i think that's I almost feel I mean, like the you really people want to say this ban was movies came as <laughs> no. I mean, I just mean that like of the things that I think are egregious to like, I, like inside feels worse to me. It feels oh, yeah. gratuitous. This doesn't feel gratuitous to me at all. I'm just pointing. I don't think these censorship people are thinking in terms of of anything in this direction being anything but gratuitous. They don't think of it like as. You know, like, well, yeah, I do know what you mean. I, I guess what I'm saying is it's sort of in, it's very interesting to me that somebody watches this movie and because it's 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 all fucking metaphor that they they walked away being like this made me feel like the the magnifying glass that is that this movie is sort of shine uh shining a light on i guess i'm mixing metaphors who gives a shit is is a subject matter that 
that people walked away going, I don't think that we should look at this. That's what I'm trying to say. Exactly. I I, I know. And I think it is is. so fucking interesting and actually, you know, (laughs) speaks to the the success of, of the movie to me. That's that people watched it and they were like, this, this is pointing at a thing that makes that I don't want to think about. Yeah. And that, and that what that thing is, is how a relationship's dissolving or breakup makes you feel. But you could also say there are the specifics, almost like in Hellraiser where it's this sort this of version. This actually has some Hellraiser where there's this uh, version of necrophilia going on in it, you know? Oh, okay. <laughs> like, what does it sure. mean for this woman to be sleeping with a piece of gore? Right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like that, that happens in this yeah, movie. It, it does. You're right. And that, yeah. Okay. I guess if that's the thing. Well, actually, that to me actually makes more sense mm-hmm. that that's all some dumb, stuffy <laughs> asshole took away from this movie. Yeah. They got to the tentacle sex and they went, nope, I'm out. I don't right, want so it. It should be banned. To transition, that <laughs> is a, we've already picked this part pretty high and low here, but I just got to hear like your take and w- what are the implications of like, yeah, I wanted to talk in the beyond what worked, but that scene, her having sex with the, yeah, a, 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 what do you, the meat creature, almost doppelganger with still tentacle arms, whose whole lower half is essentially being utilized as a phallus. I just look at it like it's sort of an extension on the imagery of a fetus mm-hmm. and the you design feels kind of based off of when you see a fetus pre pre so, human, right. like when it actually has like all four limbs, it, it it's a, it's a, it's creature. So then it's right? a mother having sex with a fetus to help birth it into its full form. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's talk about snake eating its tail. Yep. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to even sort of wrap my head around it. For, I don't but know. I li- I, but I, I like that because it is just... I read into it more as if it's like something about the fact that it's pure phallus. Like, I don't think of... I didn't relate it to a fetus for me, but just something that it's like... See, that's to funny. Have a single I didn't think of it as this phallus organ. thing either. I, I mean, I... It's interesting. That's where you kind of went. I went in this other direction. Mm-hmm. Of, I was just like, it's just... It's, it's like if your un- whole lower it's an half formed is... thing is how I looked at it's it. It's like your whole lower half is a penis. Like, I guess <laughs> being used such. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I I, mm. I think it was more for me like just any sort of using the creature for that was just again like how we said this is on the reverse extreme of positivity. Just what's the most kind of vile like you know, unholy things you can be doing in this whole what if situation. Yes. I just sort of took away. It's just, it's. Damn it. I wish I could articulate this, that she, the metaphor is the thing that's inside us, the dark unformed thing that's inside us that sort of isn't it, that you need to, that you are both trying to exercise and you are inadvertently feeding. You're trapped in this constant loop 
when you're in this state of of insanity that is a breakup. Right. And that this is just sort of a physical manis- manifestation of that idea. And it's less literal to me that, that it's this phallus sleeping with her. It's more that she's just feeding it and yeah. it's a part of it needing to form, you know, the 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 having Sam Neill watching that is actually an important aspect of that moment because – in a way, if we're looking through the whole movie well, it, through his eyes, right. it's his his, you know, falling apart over the idea of somebody else it pushes getting him, to be with yeah, her. It pushes him beyond it's beyond jealousy if it's not like another human. And in that you know? moment Well, and in that moment he kind of accepts it. He just looks at it like, Yep, this is where we we've gotten to. <laughs> yeah, he does. You know, so it's not oh, even man. you know, so it's it's almost like this this high, uh, higher plane of of acceptance of the idea that is the root of the initial movie the 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 plot sets off with Sam Neill being like i know i've been away a long time and something's up who have you been with have well, you been with like somebody else that it's that's the kernel of the whole right. movie and that acceptance it, it's extending to him but kind of originates i think with the act of sex for her to be like sleeping with it is an accepting of it and whatever it is. And that just says, you know, about where she's in that far gone Cronenbergian mm-hmm. nightmare place. Of and what she, is she, what is more. she saying? She's saying not yet. Almost. She's saying almost. Oh, like it's almost close to being yeah. the doppelganger finished. We're almost there, you know, like just accept right. it. It was also worked that worked great. Sorry to slip into like things that what worked again, <laughs> but just it. that moment where it's like it's showing the sort of what's beneath the skin of the pretty finished Sam Neill doppelganger. It's like okay, well, even if it looks like this at the end, yes. this is what it actually is. That's right, and I think that's really important because the thing that is being formed and birthed is the in my mind is the idea of the possession and the obsession and the and the like falling apart so this doppelganger is a is a humanoid representation of the darkness inside of us when we're in this state Mm -hmm. and so to see it preformed is sort of a, a a better depiction or a clearer depiction of the just the monster that that is and talking about that extreme black and white of this undercurrent world of all that is horrible going on inside oneself and then having to show up at the school with a face on to pick up your kid. Yeah. It's like, yes. And then that doppelganger, Sam Neill, all prettied up smooth face is then going to go, but we, who we know is that meat creature is going to go pick up the kid and blah, blah, blah. Well, and then, and then having the chaos of the final act and, and the sort of running away from everything, he, the 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 conscious Sam Neill we've been with the whole time has sort of accepted. He's like, I need to fucking get away from all of this and just run away from it. <laughs> yeah. And the world collides into that moment and being like, you don't get to actually. We're not, we're gonna kill you and and her the 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 versions of you and her that have been on this ride. You guys are gonna die. We're gonna the. The real world has shown up and has machine gunned you, mm-hmm. but it didn't machine gun doppelganger Sam Neill. It's almost like they didn't even see him. 
Yeah. Or they're just like, no, you're good. Go on your merry way. <laughs> so the only other thing I wanted to pick apart and things of note that were interesting, actually, we already talked about was, which was just the sort of implications of the doppelgangers meeting at the end. I think yeah. you covered yeah, that yeah. well, snake eating its tail, like it's repeating itself. But so now just all this stuff that we have picked it apart, I found it super noteworthy. I think why this is all so effective is it is when a filmmaker takes that David Lynch-esque approach. I hate, you know, just oh, pinning yeah. it on That's him, another... but it's just an easy example of yeah. you are just digging up what feels right to you and interesting to you and like the thing that you're trying to make versus having the sort of over-intellectualized approach of thinking in terms of metaphor, mm -hmm. like at all. Like well, what he said in just, you oh, know, yeah. what, what he said um, in some interview or something was... Um, Who? Zawalski, okay, the director, and he co-wrote it uh, during a divorce. He wrote yeah, it. Shocking. He said that the movie has no point. Yes, and I, I, I think yes. That's the. Those are the best movies and horror movies. Because I mean. here's what it makes me think. All it makes me think is if if you are going to intellectualize it, if somebody in the midst of you feeling like you're in your worst place if somebody said what does that look like how you feel what does that look like you would be like it feels like fucking this blob of dark tar shitty fucking right claws you just start like having <laughs> And that images you're in this apartment or this apartment yeah, yeah, that I'm feels trapped, this way. I'm trapped. I'm this. You you start saying these things, and effectively, it just feels like without. It's not a thought exercise. It's it's you're just literally putting images with your feelings. And yeah. this, in in a way, I feel like that's just kind of what this movie is. It's it's a extension of that process, and so you know. Yes, you can say it has a, no, he can say it has no point, but I think it's birthed out of that place. And then in the execution of the movie, they're honing in on that. Yeah. And being good, a good, good artists about, you know, where they end up with the, <laughs> with the execution of those feelings and ideas. But you're right. You don't need, there doesn't need to be a point. There doesn't need to be a deeper dramaturgical fucking like you know, meaning behind everything. Because that's and because that, the meaning is implicit to the the feeling, right? Because I think we are mere humans in the face of it all. Like that's why movies like this are so powerful, and movies that are like someone trying to make a stance in some way yeah. or overtly say something, they aren't going to get as far out as art can reach, right? Because we're you know I don't want to say flawed in that way, we're limited in that way, and that's sure. what sort of that when you take that artistic approach to something that's what allows something to reach the place of awe is because it is from the inexplicable and beyond yeah that's why it kills me a lot of the time when when i'm trying to describe you know a story idea and somebody's like yeah but that doesn't make sense and i'm like it doesn't need to i just let me let me put it on film yeah and then you can take whatever you want out of it but like Telling me it doesn't make sense and therefore I shouldn't go in that direction is really frustrating. Just put on Seabiscuit for them and <laughs> tell them to, you know, like, oh go away. Oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs>
Tea Biscuit. I don't know, man. Like, oh what do you God. say to those people? Like, I say, fuck off. <laughs> I'm going to go do the thing I want to do. Fuck you. <laughs> You're the asshole who goes, no, no, you need to get a real job. <laughs> fuck off. But I mean, it's interesting just to, I like to put the counter argument. I won't say argument to it all, but just to put it in perspective, it's like, but at the same time, some things the thing that they are trying to be to be the most effective thing they're trying to be maybe does need to take on a more like typical kind of structure or familiar, easier to explore themes or whatnot. That's fine. That's saying that is different than arresting the creative fucking trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. So just wanted to make the distinction, but you're right. Yeah. In case someone was trying to perk up, I don't know. Yeah, I think there's a balance to it and you know when it feels good and you know like criticism is is important and constructive criticism and like when somebody says, mm, I don't know, it's not a, it, it, it's not necessarily, I mean, I'm being a little extreme. It's not necessarily your reaction should be middle finger, fuck you, I'm not going to listen to what anybody right. says. Like Star Wars wouldn't exist if Lucas hadn't listened to all of the creatives around him being like, yeah, but I don't quite understand yeah. this. Why don't you go flesh it out some more that's fine and good but like i hate sort of uh dogmatic like nah this is dumb it doesn't make sense like that shit fuck you look at like the mixed reviews when any one of kubrick's movies came out just picking like 2001 as an example that was weird yeah i don't like it then you had people this was kind of like my experience of falling in love with uh inherent vice was like i just felt even though I would, you know, totally agree, you know, first time seeing it or whatever, you just have this draw towards it, sure, you know, and it's like, there's something about it, man. Let's not. <laughs> there's always going to be some asshole who's like, ew, this makes me feel gross. So ban it. <laughs> right. Or when, when that's I, the person I'm saying, fuck off. I to, recommend, I recommended uh, mother is one of my favorite yeah. horror movies. A lot of people were not into it. <laughs> when I, the movie ended, I was just like, I was just shell shocked. I was floored by the experience, yeah. you know, and just the little, those fleas, one of those little screens <laughs> yep. there. And then just these people like this, it was like, well, that was a waste of two hours or whatever. Right. And I was just kind of like, <laughs> huh? What? Uh, what? Hello? What? <laughs> um, you said earlier, you know, you're defined sort of, you know, mince words and, two sides blah 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 again with a different thing you brought up was you're saying talking about the heightened acting style or whatever mm-hmm. emotions are reaching but just, just, just whatever sake is it heightened judging by the situation like on on its surface in relation to how we've watched actors act in a real, you know, in a, oh, this movie lives in a context that is trying to to depict something close to reality. It seems over the top. But in the context of this movie, it's not at all. Have you seen much Cassavetti, specifically Woman Under the Influence? I have not, no. And I think actually I heard like someone in a review for it referencing um, now that I I come, to, come to think of it, someone wonder compared to the scenes of a marriage, scenes from a marriage, like the, yeah, well, Women Under the Influence is the one I've seen that stands out to me where it is just like these similarly like long takes, just couples. It's just sort of like a whole movie just evolving into just a couple just kind of going at it mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, but it's so, so real, but it's like essentially 
exactly what's going on here. It's just yeah. screaming. It's just screaming at each other. It's just yeah. these sort of like, you know, um, uh, moments of hitting and just mm-hmm. of whatever and running from room to room that don't feel necessarily sensical. Someone could call over the top, but only feel utterly real. Like you're watching a home video. Well, I, th- I think the distinction happens in that humans behave like this in, I think, generally speaking in snippets, they have moments of this type of behavior, but this movie is, front to back this behavior and i think that's the thing that feels like it's like oh this isn't really real it feels it feels over the top because it's it's on that frequency from start to finish whereas those moments in real life exist all the time they're just moments so and and there are examples in film when you see this where i think you you could if the whole if all of the graduate you know the movie the graduate there's a movie – there's a movie. There's a moment at the end when Dustin Hoffman's character is trying to find the church and he goes into a gas station and he says – you know, he's like, hey, do you know where this church is? And the gas station attendant is just sort of like, well, um, you know, it's um, – um, you know, you could – is it this church or this church? And Hoffman has this moment where he he like – is overcome with the frustration of it. And he like, he, he's like flips his hands up and he like slams his hand down onto a phone book a couple of times. And it's such a fucking real moment and an amazing sort of depiction of a human thing that works in moments in a context of a world that we're trying to be, Oh, this is a, this is a real, we're, we're watching a movie that's based in reality. And so it's superhuman and we go fucking look at it. I just want to, I guess I want to maybe argue on the side of like, it's not that it's, it's, I think it's the amount that we're getting and where we're coming into the story that would make it feel quote unquote unrealistic that we're used to some sort of build or context in order to get to the moment of Dustin Hoffman slamming on it. Yes. But to, but to have a movie that is all that means that it's all that not that it's inherently unrealistic i think part of it is the the so in in this movie in possession the moment that seemed unquote on i mean how am i going to say this unrealistic before we've gotten off to the races of the rest of the movie when they go to the they meet at the cafe Mm -hmm. and they're full-throated yelling at each other i'm like in reality somebody would be like excuse me guys like this is a little like you got to calm the fuck down and they start by sitting not facing each other right so that's what i mean that's what i mean when i say heighten it's like we're just lifted up above where in the real world if we were to see this scene happen between two people it would be close but it was like but it, other people would maybe get involved i don't know felt unrealistic to me if anything that scene was starting off sitting next to each other without daring to look into each other's eyes but then i once i bought into that yeah then i was with it i was off to the races with them knocking over chairs and yelling and all that you know like, yeah, I don't know. I, I get you. I think it's a fine line because. It's, yeah, that's it's why like, I wanted to bring it I've, up. I've seen I've seen quote unquote bad acting. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's the best shit you can see. And sometimes it's still just bad acting. You know, yeah. like the person who 
wipes away everything that's on the table in a in a fit. Right. I just think there's it's, a fine line. It's and that's interesting <laughs> because it is a fine line. I wonder just how many times it's because someone is just not primed for maybe just diving right into something so extreme because mm -hmm. people operating in those such extreme moments is something because we're dropping our kids off at school again is mm -hmm. just something that we have compartmentalized right to be on that level of honesty well yeah in a way this movie is basically this is how we would be if we didn't have the outsider keeping us in check right so it's like you see maybe some you know kind of a, a crazed what we'd say you know crazed street person or whatever yelling or something oh yeah you know going like the hands up in the air how you're describing <laughs> how is you know in yeah. the, this movie it's like people's reaction a lot of the time is to like sort of give a, a nervous laugh which mm -hmm. i think is more similar to sort of someone starting this movie and laughing at the saying their bad performances but really that that crazed street person is is being more honest than that person yes. is, is on their day-to-day -day life. Very much so. I had a, a – fuck, we're going so long, but who cares? I had a really, like, poignant moment in my life a few weeks ago. I was driving. I'm in L.A. I'm in shitty-ass traffic, and there is, a, there is a homeless man sitting at an intersection, and he's – uh, sort of gesticulating in the air with his hands and looking up and sort of almost like you would when you're trying to to capture a thought, you're like thinking about a thing, you're looking up and you're like, nah, nah. right. And you, you realize what the thing is and you lean down and you write it down. Mm -hmm. He was effectively doing that, but pantomiming it. He didn't have a pen and pa paper or whatever. He's just doing that thing. And I thought to myself, like, most people are going to look at that dude and be like, wow, he's fucking crazy. And then I had this other thought of like, without the context of of what crazy is or homelessness or like all of this stuff that we sort of were trying to define it, I was like, that dude is literally just expressing himself. Right. He is uncapped by all of the stuff that says you have to behave a certain way, you know. If you do, if you, if you pantomime writing an idea right. down, you're crazy. He's like, no, that guy's just in it. He's in expression. And it's like, and I was like, that is yeah. actually what we're built to do. I think we currently, we, we got, have filters, right? We have filters, uh, compartmentalization and things like the socially acceptable outlets right. for that, such as dancing. Yeah. All like, of those things are filters. Aliens so that we coming can... in are going to think dancing is the weirdest thing. <laughs> right. They are going to look at dancing and then that homeless person and being like, this is just, a, yeah. you know, a world of crazy. But my takeaway is without the filters, the filters are just kind of keeping us able to coexist in, in a way and cooperate so that like we can, you know, so I we can know, get anywhere. Do, yeah, so we, yeah, exactly. We can get somewhere. <laughs> right. But at its core, we're just, I mean, I thought, I actually laughed out loud in my car when I had this thought. I was like, because I was like, this is the most baked thought I've ever had in my life and I'm, I'm not stoned. But I was like, man, we're all just expression machines. <laughs> and then I started laughing. I was like, where am I right now? I'm, <gasps> fucking, I'm on a trip and I'm just driving in LA traffic. Fuck. Yeah. But it's true. I think that's like kind of speaks to like, um, you know, there's people who you just want them to smoke that one time or like that guy <laughs> yeah. needs to get on. Kind of thing. <laughs> it's like that. Yeah. Um, cool, dude. Well, fuck. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, 
very last thing of note, Tim. Okay. I just gotta say, we've already kind of alluded to it. The kid being named Bob. <laughs> you loved that. <laughs> well, I loved it. I was what the helling it the whole time with Sam, with their accents. Bob. 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 Oh, who's gonna take care of Bob? I gotta pick up Bob. It just tickled me every you know, time. I'm gonna I'm gonna dramaturg that. <laughs> kid, you know, a little kid. Are, you, know, it be... you know why he's called Bob? Why? Because he's like bobbing in the water of life. Shut up. No. And he's floating and he's like, why he might go he... under. And he might stay on the surface. He's just right. Don't, he's just perfectly stop, balanced just stop. No, in between no, 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 no. things. And then he ends up in Isn't the bath. Isn't it funny his name wasn't Bobby, though, too? <laughs> I wonder if like, that's just a matter a of... kid, Bob. Yeah, in... You know, German, French, German, you, yeah. 81, that you, you don't have bobbies. You've got bobs. Well, if you know, please know. let us know. Because <laughs> yeah. I've never run across a little kid bob <laughs> in fact or fiction. I love it. It's great. Yeah, exactly. Bob. When let's wrap up possession. Okay. Yes, let's. <laughs> there was there was the, the nail in the coffin. You got to watch it. So what's next? Where are we? <sighs> Recommendations? Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I'll go. Yeah. I think you gotta go if you if you're gonna watch this, you gotta go watch Repulsion, which is Polanski. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's, forget if I've seen. It's that. in the same kind of just the 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 deterioration of somebody's mind. I haven't seen it. I thought that was on our list to watch. Maybe not. Really? I could have just been confusing uh, it with so. this one. Possession, Repulsion. I've seen, I mean, I've seen But Repulsion, I mean, you know, if sure. you haven't seen either, you would mix up those titles. Yeah. Get into Repulsion too. Great. Yeah. Um, you know, I have no, you know, I've just been watching Godzilla movies recently. <laughs> yeah. So I don't necessarily want to recommend any of those. I will at the end once I've gotten through all 30 or whatever. Fuck. Um, oh my God. But just to like pick a random favorite of mine, because I don't think I've done it yet, you know, go down my top list. I'll shout out to, yeah, one of my top five favorite films, the documentary American Movie. So it hit 1999 Sundance. It's about some, um, is it Michigan from Milwaukee, Michigan filmmakers? Um, But it's like... It just does it for me. It's the okay. kind of film I got to revisit every year. A I lot of times I've seen it. people, um, they think it's like a mockumentary when you mm-hmm. first see it, but it's just, I don't know, man. It's great. They're, they're, they're real characters, but you're, you're so endeared to them. They're great people. It follows and just sort of everything, you know, Tim, you've had like, you've had enough filmmaking experiences where it's like at the time, maybe you're getting, stressed or whatever but then you've done it enough to realize oh these are the best moments in my life these yeah. are yeah, this yeah. is what it's all about yep. this is me doing it and just to sort of have that perspective that's um, when you know thing. the juice is worth the squeeze yeah, exactly and it's uh well it's a documentary on watching the juice being squoze in <laughs> and i think just sort Sweet. of serves as a sort of warm reminder cool. of all that for me all right i'll watch it i don't think i've seen it great check it out all right, shall we turn. add it? Yeah. It's my hand. Yes. All right, here we go. What is next? It is this movie. Oh, there we go. It is The Legend of Hell House, 1973, UK. Cool. Awesome. Like the era, like the name, like that it's UK. Sweet. Great. All right, well. You can find us at dismemberinghorror.com. That's right, dismemberinghorror at Instagram and Gmail as well. Mm-hmm. And... At dis, D-I-S, horror, pod, 
is our Twitter. Is that it? Yeah, I know Tim <laughs> says that because I hate it. We hate it. I still don't know why it's that. Character limit. Yeah, man. That's it. Okay. And um, I'm at Tim Aslan all over the place. I'm at Mayor, Mayor McDuffie on Instagram, which is linked to. Yeah, you'll follow our, we're, we're doing stuff on our Instagram at Dismembering Horror. Yeah. We're linked to there do our updates when we when we do stuff but i post weekly stills for whatever we're talking about fun mm-hmm. selected stills it's behind the scenes that's it that's cool. where you can find us yeah thanks All for right. listening everybody yeah we love you so much <laughs> and please uh tell your friend <laughs> yeah that's right and uh great well in in closing uh thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week goodbye bye Ha, 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 ha.